our good uh, leader, pastor, worship leader, Will Eifler, is going to continue that conversation this morning. Yeah, always good. Uh, no stranger to this community. He's loved and adored by many. Um, but I know he's got a good word in our heart that's going to stir our affections for Jesus, right? Uh, so as we do this, as we get into this, um, let's just pray again. I know you're probably thinking if you're a visitor, man, they pray a lot. You're right. We do. It's kind of like a thing, a Christian thing. Like we just like to talk to God, you know, so it's part of our faith. So if you would, um, entertain us and pray with us, um, we're going to, uh, just pray for our hearts. You know, I find that, uh, sometimes it's us who need, um, the help more so than it is the man or the woman of God standing in the pulpit. It's us who need our ears open and our hearts softened so that we might receive God's word. Amen. So let's pray for our own hearts to receive God's, um, word this morning. Father, we, we come before you again and we, we, we pray, Lord, your word says we receive not because we ask not. And so we are asking today, uh, for our hearts to be softened and our ears to be open to receive the word of God this morning. And as we receive God, touch our hearts, Lord, transform our lives. In your son's name we pray, amen. Amen, thank you, D. Amen. I, I have to say, I, when, when Daryl asked me to do this message, I, I, I got really, really excited because I just lately have been doing nothing but think about, because I'm gonna talk about the second advent today. In case you're curious, we've gone through, you know, the preparation through history for Jesus and the coming of Jesus the first time. And I get to talk about that second time. And I got so amped. I got so amped this week when I was preparing the message that I was just, we had Christmas music on nonstop throughout the week. And I'm over there preparing my message on the couch, just like jamming out to the Christmas music. Not, not because of the Christmas music, because I was so amped about what I have to talk about today. But at the same time, I, I, it's, it, it's such a layup of a thing to talk about, but I have such trembling and like... I don't know, it's a bit of fear sharing this because I don't want to do it injustice. If you, I, I, will, I will say this, if you get something out of this message today, it's not because of me. Um, I'll just put it that way. It's not because of me. It's because God is speaking. Because I guarantee you, I don't have the ability to deliver this the way that it should be delivered. But um, I am excited about it. I want to have you open your Bible with me to Luke 24. If you don't mind turning down these center speakers for me, they just make me a hair self-conscious. Luke 24, we're going to be going starting in verse 13. Thank you, Ray. Um, I'm going to summarize today, and then I'm going to have you follow along for certain verses, okay? Because this is a long story. This is a story that normally you'd be hearing on Easter Sunday, okay? We're going to start somewhere that probably does not get preached on Christmas, but I have a good reason for doing it. All right, so you may be familiar with this story. You know, the baby that's born in the manger, he's grown up 33 years. He's done this phenomenal ministry. Jesus comes, he gathers disciples around him, followers, and the next thing you know, he's brutally executed, right? Like, I've just skipped a lot of history, haven't I? But um, the uh, <laughs> jumping ahead here a little bit, his followers are just they're just torn up about this. They're completely, they're completely disillusioned. And even his disciples are. And this is three days. This story takes place three days after his death and his burial. 
And there's two followers of Jesus, and they're walking on this road to Emmaus in the area of Bethlehem, or sorry, Jerusalem. And they're disillusioned and confused, and they're talking, what went wrong? What went wrong? Because, you know, the advent of Christ had been hoped for by the Jewish people for ages and ages. They recited the stories. They knew the prophecies. They quoted Isaiah. But then he let them down. And they're walking along the road and they're saying, what went wrong? We thought we knew what was going on, but we didn't know what was going on. We thought, we'd, we, thought we had a hope. And I guess he was just a prophet. I guess he was just another person. God anointed him for sure, but he's gone. I guess he wasn't the Messiah. And they're walking along and they're in despair. And Jesus comes up next to them. Verse 15, as they talked and discussed these things, Jesus himself suddenly came and began walking with them. But God kept them from recognizing him. He asked them, what are you, dis- so, what are you discussing so intently as you walk along? They stopped short, sadness written across their faces. And one of them, Cleopas, replied, you must be the only person in Jerusalem who hasn't heard about all the things that have taken place over this last few days. You've got to be the only person without a clue. You've got to be the only person who doesn't know what's going on. And Jesus starts, he rebukes them, first of all. He's like, you're so stupid. (laughs) That's literally what he said. You foolish people. And he goes through the scriptures. He goes through the prophets, and he starts to expound upon himself. He starts to share about the prophecies. He said, this is what it really said. This is what the prophecies were really about. And you had it wrong. You didn't understand the story. They didn't understand the story. And that's the point I want to make to you today. Do you understand the story? Do you understand the story? You know, they get to the end of their journey. God's still, you know, kind of hidden himself from them, hidden their eyes from recognizing him. They break bread together. And then, they, and then Jesus is revealed to them. And they're like, oh my gosh, it's Jesus. And he disappears. And they're like, didn't our hearts burn within us? You know this story, right? Most of you know this story. Here's the thing. Here's why, you know, whether it's the Jewish people who had heralded Christ a week before his, his uh, crucifixion, saying, you know, uh, what, what did they, Hosanna. Glory in the highest, welcoming the king of the Jews into Jerusalem. A week later, they, cro- they shouted, crucify him. Do you know why they did that? Because he let them down. That's really why they did that. That's why they handed him over. That's why the, the, you know, the, uh, the Pharisees and the Jewish religious leaders, they had... A, a plot and a plan, but the only reason that it could go forward was because the people were fed up. I thought you were going to save us. I thought you were going to release us from captivity. And he didn't. He let them down. And the disciples were disillusioned. I know this is funny for a day after Christmas. You know, I... Part of this reason that I share this story is, you know, so many, I I hear from so many people right now, it doesn't even feel like Christmas. I've heard that from so many people this year. It just, 
so many folks, you know, it feels like the world is going from broken to more broken. You know what I'm saying? It goes from more from chaotic to just completely confusing and even more chaotic. We don't even understand what's going on. Where is Jesus in this story? A lot of people are losing their faith right now. I appreciate very much that you guys are sitting in this room, but there's a lot of people who aren't because you know what? They're losing their faith over this. Jesus said, blessed is he who's not offended because of me. You know who he was talking to when he said that? It was the, um, the prophet John. John the Baptist. Who would have more faith than John the Baptist? But Jesus even said to him, blessed is he who doesn't get offended because of me. And John the Baptist was in prison about to be beheaded. So it's a timely remark for Jesus to make. So many of us are offended right now with God. And I promise you, I will tie this into the second advent. I promise you, it's going to be good. But maybe we didn't understand the story. Maybe we don't understand the story that God is writing. You might be disappointed today. You might be on that road to Emmaus. Asking yourself, what is going on? Where's the plan of God in all of this? You know, thank God he came and he saved us from our sins, but why wouldn't God do it a different way? But I've got news for you. He's writing a better story than one that you could come up with. He's writing a better story than society wishes he would write. He's writing a story that's so powerful, it will bring him glory for millions upon trillions of years. Hebrews 9.28 So Christ, having been offered once to bear the sins of many, will appear a second time, not to deal with sin this time, but to save those who are eagerly waiting for him. So many of us have offense with God because we wish he would do it a different way. Culture repeatedly denies the existence of God because if God were real, then how could all of this be happening? But he has, in order for him to wrap everything up and bring perfection, he would have to deal with evil, the evil that's in each one of our hearts. So he gives us time. That's what the first advent was all about. But I want to share about the second advent with you today. I want to go to Revelations 21. Revelation 21.1. Then I saw a new heaven and a new earth. This is what the returning king is bringing. For the old heaven and the old earth had disappeared, and the sea was also gone. And I saw the holy city, the new Jerusalem, coming down from God out of heaven like a bride beautifully dressed for her husband. I heard a loud shout from the throne saying, Look, God's home is now among his people. He will live with them, and they will be his people. God himself will be with them. He will wipe every tear from their eyes, and there will be no more death or sorrow or crying or pain. All these things are gone forever. Revelation 21.5. And the one sitting on the throne said, Look, I am making everything new. 
And then he said to me, write this down, for what I tell you is trustworthy and true. And he also said, it is finished. I'm the Alpha and the Omega, the beginning and the end. To all who are thirsty, I will give freely from the springs of the water of life. It's so good. All who are victorious will inherit all these blessings. And I will be their God, and they will be my people. You see, today, are you focused on what God can do for you right now? Is it all you think about? Is it all that you obsess about every single day? You, I know each one of us have got specific things that we wish would be different, that wish, we wish God would change, we wish God would do differently. And it's all that we can, God, are you going to do this for me? Are you going to fix this one thing? And we've lost sight of the story. We've lost sight of what the story is actually about. He's writing something so much bigger. If you would let him get a hold of your life and you would get vision for what he's doing, the, the journey that he's bringing you upon, he's, you're not going to get caught up on that road to Emmaus wondering what went wrong. Where's the soon coming king? All I want is right now, Jesus to come back, fix my life, fix the world. It doesn't work that way. God has a bigger story. It's, I, you know, thank God it's bigger than what many of us want. Thank God. But do you appreciate it? Have you gotten a vision of what that story is for your life? I promise you it's bigger than what you're just focused on right now. I promise you it's bigger than your finances. It's bigger than your marriage. It's bigger than your singleness. It's bigger than your debt. It's bigger than your grades. It's bigger than your job. It's bigger than your sexuality. It's bigger than your mental health. If you would get a vision for something that's so much higher than what's temporary, your life will change. Your vision will change. The way that you relate to God will change. The things you ask him for are going to change. See, today we could ask God a different kind of question. Instead of God, will you do this for me? Just ask him, God, what do you want to do for me? What would you do for me? What do you want to do with me? It'll change the perspective of your life. Your heart will grab onto something eternal. I'm telling you right now, every fantastic idea, the craziest Marvel movie you've ever seen doesn't hold a candle to what he has coming for you. Listen, Jesus told a parable, right? He tells, he tells this parable, it's the parable of the talents. And, and let me tell you what a talent was, okay? It was about three months' wages, okay? So let's call that 20 grand in, you know, average wage today. He gives people between 20 and 100 grand, okay? And he tells them, go use it, invest it, I'll be back, I'm going to check in on you, see what you did. Do you know what he did to those who invested well? He said, well done, good and faithful servant. I'm going to put you in charge of five cities. What? What does that have to do with anything? In Revelation, you see, where is this? I have it in my notes, I promise. We're going to get there. 
See, I have to put the scriptures into my notes. Um, This is crazy. Revelation chapter 22. I'm skipping ahead a little bit. No longer will there be a curse on anything. Praise God. A lot of things seem cursed. For the throne of God and the Lamb will be there, and his servants will worship him, and they will see his face, and his name will be written on their foreheads. And there will be no night there, no need for lamps or sun, for the Lord God will shine on them. He'll be the light. And they will reign forever and ever. Did you know that scripture literally says if you let God do the work in your life that he wants to do and you overcome sin and you overcome culture and the world, he will put you over cities? Are you aware of that? Like, listen, listen. This isn't the, you didn't walk into the church of Scientology today, okay? You didn't walk into the Mormon temple. I'm preaching the Bible right now. A lot of us don't even grasp that with our brain cells. Like, the way that you live, the work that you let God do in your life will dictate eternal significance, eternal joy, eternal satisfaction. That's a very different picture than God. Would you fill my bank account just enough so I can make my car payment? Which, by the way, you need to do that. Like, I'll pray with you and, you know, maybe we'll even help you out. But, like, those temporary things are not the point. It's not what you need the most. You need God to do a work in your heart, not just, yes, healing emotionally and mentally. Ask him for those things. But God, give me a bigger vision than just what's right in front of me. Give me a bigger vision than the thing I can't stop obsessing about day and night and day and night. The fact that I'm single. So many of us are consumed. You know, when you're done being consumed that you're single, you might just be consumed that you're married to somebody that you have to get along with. I mean, dude, that sounds like hyperbole until it's not. Okay? I have the most amazing wife. But it, marriage is a crucible, dude. Like, Amy is amazing. Is, she's amazing that she puts up with me. I mean, there's a lot that can be said about that. We, we test each other. I don't know how. How did God come up with something so irritating as marriage? It's incredible, right? And it's beautiful and it's glorious. But it takes, it, it takes a lot of refining. Why do you think marriage is under divorce? This, come on. Just because you're fascinated with somebody right now doesn't mean you're going to be fascinated forever. You're going to have to get to a lot more deep of a level than that. I'm on a bunny trail now. We have a very limited amount of time. You're obsessed with being single. You'll be obsessed with your marital status if God were to grant you the wishes of your heart. You may be obsessed with your sexuality now, but that obsession might not just go away one day. You need a higher vision than just these temporary things that take up your thought life. They take up your heart space. You see, what's going on in here isn't just thoughts. It's not just Netflix and cookies. And I don't know where I went with that. This is like Christmas, Santa season. Uh, Food. You get what I'm saying. Food is great. Um, Our hearts get so obsessed with such little things, such small, meager things that are not going to last. You know, what's coming ahead, your wildest imagination, just scrap it. Just scrap the most incredible thing you've ever imagined. God has something so much bigger than that. Your, your wildest imagination is like a kid's crayon drawing stood up next to a Rembrandt. Okay? Just sit back. 
and watch the master at work. He might be shading in some shadows in your life right now, but he's creating a masterpiece. And it's not just for 80 years, dude. It's for eternity. Do you know what eternity is? Eternity is forever and ever and ever and ever. The soon coming king, he's coming back to wrap up the temporal. He's coming back to wrap up the temporary and the fleshly and the material and the consumeristic. I don't know if that's a word. Good enough. Good company. Um, but God is doing something that is eternal. He's doing something that's going to be eternally significant. Where are you in the story? My question for you today is, do you understand the story of God? Do you grasp the story that's being written? Have you started to read that story? Have you opened this lately? Maybe to the end part a little bit. I know there's some confusing stuff in Revelation, but just skip to the last chapters. That's a good way to go. You know, that's pro I'm going to get rebuked for that one. But um, you should read the whole thing. Just careful how you interpret some of it. Um, but it's very clear about what's coming. God's going to do away with sin. He's going to do away with evil. That means you've got to let him do away with evil right now in your life. If you, don't, if you don't want that to come and burn up the content of your life, if you're going to build your life upon sin, if you're going to build it upon scheming and greed, that's going to get burned up. Good luck enjoying that even for a couple decades because it stinks just as it is in this life. Look, if you don't, if you don't have vision for the soon coming king and the kingdom that he's bringing with him, I feel for you, man. I feel for you. That's lame. That's just straight up lame. There's something so much greater than the things that we get so fascinated with and stuck on. I'm not going to keep preaching here forever, but thank God for hope. He hasn't left us. Thank God for hope. He came. He came and he bore the wrath of God so that we could be reconciled to God. And he's coming again to wrap up history so that we can be with God. Thank God for hope today. It's a powerful hope. It's not a lame hope. It's not a hope that's just going to leave you just, you know, some sort of lame church boy or church girl. You don't have a lame hope. You have a hope that's far brighter than anything that Elon Musk could dream up. Anything that Jeff Bezos could ever build. You have a hope that's going to carry on for eternity. Generations upon generations are going to sing the praises of God. Are they going to be your generations? God's writing a story. And I... Pray, I pray that we can get our eyes off the temporal. That soon coming king, that second coming, it's going to snap a lot of things into perspective. I thank God for the, the advent of his son coming as a baby in a manger, come as the sacrificial lamb. Literally, Joe just sent me something on Instagram. He was, I didn't even know this, but um, apparently those shepherds in that field, they were raising sacrificial lambs. I had no idea. But Jesus comes. He's the sacrificial lamb. Thank God for the sacrificial lamb. He comes and he bears our sins, the sins of the world. And that we could be reconciled in right standing with God. But thank God for the second coming. Thank God for the soon coming king. He's not a soon coming. It's not a democracy. 
I thank God for democracy. It's certainly the least broken thing we seem to have, but it's going to be the one righteous judge. And every unjust thing that everyone has to say about him will be silenced permanently. Every mocking voice will be shut up. So don't listen to the mockers. Don't listen to those who would scream louder. Get in the word of God. Start to find out what he's saying. I can't preach loud enough. And I can't preach frequently enough to convince you and to change your mindset. Only the word of God can do that. Only getting in the scriptures can do that. Only getting in the word of God is going to prepare you for the soon coming king. Is going to get your life lined up right. Because he wants to reign and rule with you. That's insane. That's insane. Why would he do that? I know myself. Like, why would he do that? But he wants to cooperate with, he wants not just cooperate, that's a terrible word. He wants to partner with us. He wants us to do it with him. But you got to let him. You got to let him do the work today. You got to have your heart looking forward to the hope of Christ. So I'm going to stop there. It's a good place to stop. I do want to say this is, this is a day, you know, we have a new year coming upon us. And this, here, we, here we go with all the cliches, right? We're going we're gonna to get right into our New Year's resolutions. We're going to get into the gym. Some of you are going to join me. Some of you need to join me. Praise the Lord. Dear God. You, you wonder why you're, you're just tired. You know, you got to get in that place. So, you know, January 1, good time as any. Get in there. But, you know, we look at our lives afresh at the start of the year. That's a good thing. Don't, don't, you know, don't scoff at that. Now's a good time to look at what's your heavenly perspective. You know, there's a million goals. There's a, there's a lot of opportunity out there that you could set your life up to follow. But it's going to let you down. And the only way that you know that you're building something that's going to last you for eternity is if you get your heart set. I don't care if you're saved. Look, this is not, I'm not talking to just people who are with Jesus, people who are without Jesus today. I'm talking to everybody. If your heart is not set upon Christ and what he's coming back with, you're not building anything. You're not building anything. And I encourage you, build this next year right. Build this year right. And I, the best way to do that, just simply, all you got to do is ask. Stop asking God for a miss because you ask according to your own desires. But ask him, God, what is your story? I want to get into your story. I'm tired of writing my own story. Listen, if, I encourage you, we're going to do an altar call. If you are tired of writing your own story, you're tired of just imagining your own way. It might even be good things. It might even be ways to build the church, okay? But if you are not, if your heart is not fascinated with the soon coming king, I want you to come up here. Daryl's going to help me. We're going to have our core team come up. We're going to just pray for some of you guys, hopefully all of us, because catching a vision for the story of God, this is the way, man. This is the way to get a new year started right. So, Daryl, if you'd... Don't mind coming up, cleaning up some of this, and I'll get on the keyboard. Awesome, yeah. Well, I don't know if there's much cleaning up that needs to be done, um, but if I was to say anything, uh, this time of the year is great, right, because it, it allows us uh, to get a, a, a big picture 
of things, you know, as believers and followers of Christ. And as Will addressed us, it's so easy um, to just be focused on the small things of this life, uh, the things that bear no eternal significance. And, um, you know, we recently uh, had a death in our family, a precious member of our family passed. Uh, and man, that death really brought home the big picture of eternal life. Um, and uh, we, we need those moments. And I, I think what Will's conveying is just that um, kind of a mindset that we, where we live with the constant kind of um, thought or whatever you want to call it, imagination, that, that this is not it. Uh, that the things that we may think are significant in this world the life that we may be living that we think is significant, um, it, it really, in light of eternity, we have to ask ourselves, is it? Is it? And Advent is a time of the year where we get to like, uh, like just step back a little bit and, and take our pulse, so to speak. Where are we with the big picture? You know, what are our thoughts and do we have any? You know, I, I'll be honest, I... I'm as guilty as the next, you know, where sometimes it's just the things that are before me, the life that I live with my family and being a pastor kind of, kind of gets all the, the airtime. And I, and I kind of forget that there's a bigger picture uh, 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 that Christ is calling me to live uh, with the awareness of. And that is that this is just temporary. Everything um, in this life, the things that we sweat and kind of, you know, get panicked and anxious over, for the most part, are just temporary. There, there's another story being written. And, um, and this year, this time of the year, excuse me, just allows us to lay a hold of that picture and um, kind of step away from the things that are um, somewhat insignificant and ties our heart to what is really significant and really important. I don't mean to talk in code, but I'm sure for many of you, you totally understand. And maybe for some of you, there's a part of you that doesn't. But, um, you know, I think what we could do in response at this time is uh, just have a moment of reflection, personal reflection. Uh, I know with the passing of this family member, um, the one thing that I've done for the last two weeks is a lot of reflection, you know, about the big picture, about eternity, about my salvation, about what I'm living for, what I'm giving my life to. And maybe we want to just take a couple minutes to reflect uh, personally, just right there at your seat. Um, do you have the big picture in mind in your everyday, you know, life? Or, or does that get lost sometimes? the small and meaningless. Let's pray. Father, as we sit here and reflect upon the small things of this world and how we so quickly and easily get tied up into the small things of this world, God, as we, as we reflect, Lord, we, we want to not just reflect, but we want to come out of, of that. We want to loosen ourselves, Lord. We want to untie ourselves from those small things, those temporal things. 
And, and, and Father, we're asking as we reflect and as we take a moment to pray and just ask you to look into our hearts, Lord. We want you to tether us, Lord, to the bigger story, the bigger picture. Lord, that there is a, is a bigger story being written, God. There's, Lord, something very massive, uh, Lord, that, that looms, although sometimes feels so distant, Lord. It's in moments like this where the realness of your second advent is felt. So, Lord, we just allow ourselves to connect to that realness, to that bigness, to that greatness, God. We, we allow ourselves, Lord, to come, Lord, loosed from this world and tethered to the massive great plan that Jesus is coming back, that he's going to collect his people and rule and reign forever with them. So, Father, help us, help us, Lord, come out and come undone from the things of this world and very close, very connected to the massive things of the kingdom of God, specifically the second advent of Jesus Christ. We're not going to spend too much time on this, but I, I would like to invite whoever is here from our core team just to come up with me. And we're going to do like we always do. We're just going to be the church. We're going to open the altar. And, and I, I think, you know, that the target for today's call is just, man, if your heart is dull, if you've just been given over to a dull heart, you've become very, you know, complacent and apathetic about some of these things that, that Will touched upon today. Man, I, I, I just want to pray for you. I think we can open the altar just for that, that, that God would awaken our senses and give us a new um, like um, intensity, right? right, o Over the story that he's writing, over the coming of his son. Uh, I, I know for me, man, I, it's so easy to get dull in that area, to kind of lose sight, you know? But I think God wants to kind of help our sight out today. I think he wants to give us a clean pair of eyes to see the bigger picture so that we come out from underserving the temporal things of this world into the massive joys of serving God in his kingdom. And so as Will continues to play, we're just going to open the altar. And as you feel led, if you feel led, we'd like to pray for you. So any one of these individuals are here, they, they, they would love to just agree that, that the Lord would awaken you and, and touch you in those areas that you feel dull. Um, and we'll, if, in, in addition to that, just close down service and, and let those who feel, hey, you know, I feel good, you know, I, you know, and you want to leave, well, the door is open, it's not locked, so you can feel welcome to leave, or there's more refreshments, uh, or you can just stick around and pray for those who have responded. Um, Let's just give God a moment to, to be God and to do a work in our hearts. And as I said, the altar is open. So if you want to come, uh, other than that, church, we love you. 
Thank you for coming out and, and worshiping Jesus with us today. Uh, pretty massive thing in Cambridge, Massachusetts to come out to church the day after uh, the pagan holiday Christmas. No, I'm just kidding. Uh, and worship Jesus. I'm kidding. I love Christmas. Listen, I am pro-Christmas through and through. Don't, 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 don't. I'm just kidding. Um, but we love you. The altar's open. Come next Sunday uh, right after the second pagan holiday, New Year's. No, we love you, church. Be blessed and have a great Sunday. Come back. The altar's open, friends.